Hey guys, this is Joe. Replicants are like any other machine, either a benefit or a hazard. If they're a benefit, it's not my problem. What's up guys, it's Eric. Wake up, time to die. Los Angeles, 2019. There was an escape from the off-world colonies. They slaughtered 20 The assignment, track down six manufactured humans. He's the best man for the job. But he may die trying to prove it. Harrison Ford is the Blade Runner. You're listening to Worth the Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? I'm in better, Eric. How are you? <laughs> yeah, Joe's had a rough day, and he's going he's gonna to talk about that, or a rough, rough week. But before he gets into that, we have to mention that this is our, well, not really our first, but it's a, a listener request episode. So we were supposed to be doing Last Action Hero today, but we're going to get into who requested it and what they requested in a minute. But we're, we kind of switched things up. So we'll explain that later. But other than that, Joe, talk about, talk about uh, what's going on and, and yeah, so, why it sounds like you're recording this in a fish tank. Oh, does it? Oh, no. <laughs> anyway. It's okay. So I'm a computer nerd. I'm a, I'm a big tech nerd. I'm always trying to like update my PC to the best parts that I can, especially if, if I do like a lot of editing and video stuff where I have to have a decent PC to do that. So I got a new processor. I got a new motherboard. But my motherboard, I kept getting an error code. It was an Asus tough motherboard, which is a pretty good brand. Um, but I kept getting an error code 00, which indicates a few different things. One of them being a CPU issue. But it was driving me crazy because everything was brand new. And I couldn't figure out what was happening. Why I kept getting this error code. I was getting no picture, everything. I built tons of PCs. So I knew what I was doing. I knew what I, was, what I did was right. But at the like, last resort, I was like, what haven't I checked yet? I've taken apart everything three times, four times, and it's still not working. I took the CPU out. And I took a magnifying glass and I actually looked at the pins on the CPU board and it's missing a pin. And the way CPU boards are is there's hundreds of pins on that and they're separated by like data pins or um, voltage pins. If it was a voltage pin, I probably could have got away with it, but it was a data pin. So from there on out, nothing was going to fix this issue. So I sent my board back and I have a replacement coming in, hopefully and by Friday, which is what I was planned to. So hopefully I'll be up and running and I can be back on an actual PC and not my surface. I have no idea what you just said, but I, I hope that works out. <laughs> hope that works out for you. Me um, too. Have you been watching anything good? Uh, honestly, not really. I, I have to say after Shane here gave us a few recommendations, I definitely wanted to watch Miyazaki film. So I, while not Totoro, I did watch uh, Spirit Away. So okay. thank you for that. Um, but other than that, no TV shows, just kind of watching where it was on TV at the time and um, Spirit, Spirit I've been Away. Watching, I've been watching a ton of stuff. So I have, a, I have some things to go over. So I watched for the first time Black Klansman, Spike Lee movie. I saw you post that, yes. Yeah, really, really like that. Um, and I knew that it was like, you know, got good reviews but i didn't know anything about it um so i enjoyed that um 
and I know I've said this before, but Spike Lee, maybe more than any other director, he has his own style. Like it could be a completely different story. Him and, and Tarantino, same thing. They have their own, it's a different story for each one, but you could put on a Spike Lee movie and like two minutes into it, you're like, oh, it's a Spike Lee movie. I, I get it. Um, but I, I enjoyed that one. Also rewatched Coming to America, the original. <clears throat> I watched it like a month ago or so, and I, I think I talked about that, but I watched it with my wife this time. She had seen it, but not in a super long time, like not since she was a kid. And she loved it, which I was, I was happy about. Um, and then lastly, well, I kind of think lastly, I know I texted you about this the other day, Joe, but I watched the mid-90s, the Jonah Hill movie. Yeah, what would you think of that? I think, I think we, you, you said you kind of had like mixed feelings on it. You yeah, know, no, I, I, yeah, I liked it, but I went to a little thing. It was, was going to be a little bit of a different film, but I did like it, but not as yeah. much as I thought I was going to. I did too. I liked it too. And, and, the, and the, the, I was like, in the beginning, I really liked it. When the kid started being a little a-hole, especially to his mother, I didn't care for it. And then, you know, spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen mid nineties and you, and you, uh, you plan on it, skip like 30 seconds ahead, but towards the end of the movie, the, the main character gets in a car accident. And um, that for me, because I was in a bad car accident and there's a scene where his mother's like not a fan of his friends. And, you know, my parents like my friends, but I have some friends that are a little bit rough around the edges. And there's this scene where the mother kind of doesn't, you, you get the feeling that the mother doesn't understand at all why he's hanging out with these losers in her mind. And then she walks into the hotel lobby and like all four or five of them are sleeping on the couches in the hotel lobby, like waiting for him. And seeing that, I was like, wow, that, that hit hard for me in a good way. So I like that, but, but all in all, I agree with you. There was some stuff I liked about it. So definitely some nostalgia stuff. I mean, yeah, that, for me, that was like, you know, I was born in 85. So mid nineties, I was 10. I pretty much was that kid, like that, the, the younger kid. Um, but yeah, I liked it. And then the last thing I have to mention is I haven't watched it yet because I just got the email from Netflix. But even though in our rental store employee days, this was the enemy, uh, the last blockbuster, the documentary is now available on Netflix. Oh, is it? today oh man i want to see that forever man i've i've almost ordered that all the times on like their website like it was almost like a very like kickstarter risk thing that's awesome though me I too that. me too so i'm pretty i'm pretty excited to watch that so like i said i we joe and i worked for a competitor of, of blockbuster but well not even really a competitor blockbuster was like a national chain and there was like seven of our stores <laughs> but but you, you know we, across the street from them um but anyways so today we're going to be discussing um Blade Runner and we're going to get into Joe and I both both watch different versions of it and if you've seen the film you know that there's like 14 versions of it we'll get into that <laughs> later but um, I'll mention now I watched the final cut and I just want to be clear that I watched that version because there's different endings different facts different whatever and Joe watched the theatrical version correct I have to say though I thought yes I, I kind of kept the natural here but I do not prefer I, I prefer the final cut both international yeah, yeah. and final cut are both better versions. And we'll, we'll get it. Yeah. Theatrical. We'll cover that, but we picked it because it was a listener request. So shout out and thanks to uh Maincraft beer dork on Instagram. Uh, his name is, uh, his, his name's Shane. And we put it out. Like we put out a call asking for some good eighties movie suggestions. And he gave us a handful of them. Actually, we, we we're going to do Blade Runner today. And then another one of his suggestions in a few weeks. So, and then to honor a Mainer that likes beer, I'm going to be drinking Lunch IPA from the Main Beer Company, 
one of my favorites. And I think, I think Shane and I are actually connected on untapped. So I think he likes it as well. So cheers to you, Shane. And, th- and thank you very much for sending in the uh, suggestion. Um, so that kind of explains the, why did you pick it? What are you going to say? No, I was going to ask, yeah, it's kind of short notes. Did you end up finding a beer related to Blade Runner? Like were you able to find something or no? No, okay. I, no I'm just doing, I'm just doing the, the, the main beer company. Cause I figured cool, okay. Shane would like that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so that's what we're going with. So what's your, you probably have, you're more of a sci-fi guy. So what's your memory of, of Blade Runner? I don't remember when I saw this first again. Like I, I definitely didn't see the final cut. I think I saw this for the, the final cut for the first time when it was released on like this giant briefcase set that came out for Blu-ray as a special edition. So I bought that when it came out. But so before, relatively recently then. Like, I mean, not, you know, yeah, not when you were 10. Right. I I saw the I definitely saw the theatrical version when I was younger with my, my father had like this is we always go back to like talking about like the VHS collection. This is one of the ones that my father had on VHS was like this tape. So I definitely watched the theatrical version growing up, but I don't think I fully like appreciate it and like actually remember what I was watching until I saw the Blu ray set when that was released, like yep. in two thousand seven maybe. So I can't remember when it was now. But before then, no real memories up until like I said. I actually understood what I was watching in a way. I have a, a pretty clear memory of the first time I saw this because it was surprisingly late in my life considering this one came out before I was even born. Um, and it's tied to the, the store we worked at. I was working at movie scene and a coworker that worked there for not that long. I wasn't a huge fan of his to be honest, but so I'll leave his name out, but he and I were talking about Harrison Ford movies and like, you know, probably, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Fugitive, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, all my favorite Harrison Ford movies. And he brought up Blade Runner. And I told him that I hadn't seen it, which I didn't know was like an insane thing to say. Um, but he pretty much attacked me and sent me home to watch it that night. But I think it's because I, I'm not a sci-fi guy and my father's not a sci-fi guy. So I really had no reason to ever have this put on in front of me. But so that probably happened let's say around 2004 or something 2005 maybe i don't really remember when that kid worked at movie scene but um so that was the first time i saw it it's, it's funny you mentioned your dad being a <laughs> sci-fi guy because mine isn't either that's why i'm not sure how you had this vhs tape it's like, almost like who put this in your collection dad like, yeah yeah growing up, like why do you have this movie but <laughs> yeah and and the the thing that was weird is like i said i've i consider myself a pretty big harrison ford fan i really I, a lot of my favorite movies are Harrison Ford movies. I think he's a great actor. And more, even more than being a great actor, I think he has pretty good taste. Well, at least earlier in his career, he has really good taste in, in what he gets involved with. But um, so it's, it's just weird that I didn't see this, especially since even though I'm not a sci-fi guy, I was a big Star Wars fan when I was younger. So Harrison Ford, Star Wars, and then this, like you think that that would have been the bridge as far as sci-fi stuff, but it wasn't. Oh, well. Um, do you have any stats as far as how this one did um, financially? I have a little bit. So Blade Runner came out on June 25th, 1982, with a budget of $30 million, making $41.5 million in the box office. Obviously, those numbers don't matter now, as it's become, it's become hailed as a sci-fi classic at this point. It was written by Hampton, Fancher, and David Webb Peoples, and based on the writing Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, written by Philip K. Dick. And it was directed by the great Ridley Scott, this movie went through production hell as Scott and the studio did not agree on many things. And since then, there have been a few different cuts of the film released to the public. Um, I think you say you'll be going over these versions in a little bit, Eric. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, the, some of the small differences. Yep, yep. But they they clash heads a lot, and the theatrical version has become the version that's least liked by people, by a lot of fans now. Okay, yeah, and that's pretty much what I saw too. And uh, I'll cover that a little bit in one of the uh, things I mentioned as far as how it was received. So this one may have been, it may have the best stats of any film we've talked about so far. If not, it's definitely in the top top handful so 8.1 out of 10 on imdb 90 percent on rotten tomatoes 84 percent on metacritic and then before i read ebert's review i have to mention that this is of the final cut so this isn't of the original theatrical release this is of the final cut this is ebert's quote from the review this is a seminal film building on older classics like metropolis from 1926 or things to come but establishing a pervasive view of the future that has influenced science fiction films ever since. Its key legacies are giant global corporations, environmental decay, overcrowding, technological progress at the top, poverty or slavery at the bottom, and curiously, almost always a film noir uh, vision. Ebert then references uh, some films that he thinks Blade Runner influenced. It's not even think, it's pretty much a fact. Dark City, Total Recall, Brazil, 12 Monkeys, Gattaca. So, um, the even watching this as someone and i'll admit i haven't seen this as many as as many times as a lot of sci-fi fans or even just film fans have but you can't really get half hour into this movie before you start seeing and making connections to other movies that came other sci-fi films that came later so its impact on the sci-fi genre in general really can't be uh, overstated but um some other stuff that was going on that time in the world, you mentioned it was June of 82. Um, June 25th, you said? June 25th, yes. Yeah, it's my, my brother's birthday, not the 82 part. but um, So other, other film releases that month, Poltergeist, E.T., Tootsie, Jesus. Grease, Grease <laughs> 2, so not, not quite as good, uh, <laughs> Annie, and then The Thing. Talk about um, what a hell. That's all one month. Yeah. Damn. But but some of them though were were like like Grease two that's not quite it's not no but man the but, thing yeah. the Poltergeist we have Tootsie we have that's a, that's a pretty yeah, good lineup of films busy month busy month and it's uh outside of film so Taxi the TV show uh, last airs on ABC before moving to NBC later that fall Pete Rose becomes the fifth player to appear in three thousand uh, games in Major League Baseball the other ones were uh, Cobb Usual Aaron and, and uh, Kali John Hinckley, this blew my mind. And I now, as someone who considers himself like not a history buff, but like a fan of history, I, I kind of forgot about this. So John Hinckley found not guilty of trying to assassinate uh, Reagan uh, by pleading insanity. Now, just as I would think that that was a total, totally impossible thing if you try to kill the president, I think that it would pretty much be like, yeah, that's cool and everything, but uh, you're, you're dead. We're we're, we're killing you. Um, and then the last thing is Prince William was born. So big in the news now, Prince William, but he was actually born in June of 82. Do you have anything down for uh, the back of the DVD summary? I do. So Rick Deckard is a former Blade Runner and LAPD detective tasked with terminating rogue replicants, artificial superhumans genetically engineered to work on off-world outposts. When four advanced, violent replicants return to Earth to confront their maker, Deckard is forced from retirement to hunt them down. 
So yeah, that's that's from someone who's not super familiar with with this one. I think that's a pretty good compared to most DVD summaries you've read. That's a pretty good breakdown. Definitely. I have a bonus question for you that I was thinking of when I was watching this movie. Even though I don't like sci-fi movies generally, or I don't like them as much, I do like the idea of time travel. Obviously, I know it's not as serious, but I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. So one question that I was thinking of watching this movie, because it goes into 2019, what do you think was the best time to live as far as technology goes? But I want to set aside medical stuff. So obviously, medically, you'd want to live now, if not now in the future, because you want to have a cure for as many things as possible but i'm just talking day-to-day life what do you think was like the ideal time this is a double-edged sword here for me i think right now we're living in the time with the best technology we are we can do some really cool things medical is like you said medical side we can do some really cool things but it's also scary because digital is such a huge focus right now and that's my problem right now is i'm some i'm kind of like an old soul where i have all my physical media i i love digital for the convenience but i still like collecting so while I do think we are at our best technology-wise right now, obviously with all like the, what we can do and what we're able to see on a day-to-day basis, I do think it has some bad things going on with it as well. So I agree with you, kind of, but for kind of for different reasons. So I think, and maybe this is just because it was like a different part of my life, but I feel like the late 90s, early 2000s, where like the prime time as far as like, because what gets me now is, is like social media and, 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 you know, the negative effect that in my opinion, it's had on the world. It's, it does positive things too, but just, just, you know, yeah. Yeah. I don't have to explain that. Um, Whereas I think like at the late nineties, early two thousands, where you were starting to get like a hint of, you know, like, AOL and whatever and chat feature where you could chat with someone who was on the other side of the country or the other side of the world, but it wasn't on your phone. It wasn't on your hip or where it was like you were glued to it all day long. So I think the late nineties, early two thousands for me was like the prime of like, we have a lot of the conveniences that we have now, but it's not weighing us down. I agree. I thought that was one of the biggest ones for sure. Going from like windows 98 to XP was a huge change ps1 the ps2 like i do agree like that like time frame was a pretty big jump in technology for sure like the differences between what we had and what we have now i think i think the smartphone is the biggest thing like and don't get me wrong i have a smartphone i think everyone does for the most part and, and there's tons of great things but it was awesome when you had like the internet on your computer but you had to leave your computer and like go live a life and whatever and then yeah. you could come back you could come back and email someone you could come back and chat with someone but oh, yeah, no, the iphone a, iphone's a game changer yeah yeah that's just a bonus question we don't have to spend too long on it but i was thinking of it whenever i watch time travel movies because it's interesting when you watch this one like the stuff that they think in like back to the future 2 is the same thing like the stuff that they think to predict some of it they're pretty close to they're, pre- they're pretty close but then some of it you're like you you did all this futuristic stuff and you didn't fix that so it's, it's it's just funny but um so some of the major cast members and players for blade runner and how they were doing going into this movie so ridley scott you mentioned him uh as a director alien blade runner thelma and louise gi jane gladiator hannibal black hawk down matchstick men american gangster the martian and more that's just that's just some of them he's had some some swings and misses but that's that's a 
pretty good resume for a director. Um, so we can just leave it at that. Harrison Ford, um, AKA Rick Deckard in this movie. There aren't many resumes that can compete with his uh, really. I, I don't, I mean, there, there are actors that I maybe like their work a little bit more, but as far as just like blockbuster movies, I think we've talked about them before. Have we done a Harrison Ford movie before? Um, you know what? I, that would be weird. If, oh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, Indiana Jones. Because you know, we definitely talked about him being like the charismatic type. Like I remember the yeah. whole conversation we had with about him. <laughs> yeah, so just some of his work. American Graffiti, the Star Wars films, Indiana Jones films, Blade Runner, Witness, Patriot Games, Fugitive, Clear and Present Danger, Air Force One, and on and on and on and on. So one of the biggest actors of all time, uh, Harrison Ford. So good one to have in your film. And then Sean Young, a.k.a. Rachel, uh, in this film. Known for Stripes, Blade Runner, Dune, No Way Out, Wall Street, Cousins, Fatal Instinct, and what I think of when I see her, and this is going to take away any credibility that I may have when it comes to talking about movies, Ace Ventura, Pat Detective, Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. That's what I think of when I when I see her. <laughs> because I didn't put, I mean, I've seen and I really like like Wall Street and some of her other films, but I didn't really make, I didn't really place her face. But to, when I saw her, I was like, isn't that the lady from Finkel's Einhorn? Einhorn is Finkel. Um, and then Rutger Hauer, he played a Roy Batty in the film. <clears throat> He's a Dutch actor who unfortunately passed away in 2019. He starred in Dutch TV and film as well as American movies like Nighthawks, Blade Runner, The Osterman Weekend, uh, Lady Hawk, The Hitcher, Blind Fury. So quite the career. Rest in peace, rest in peace Rutger Hauer. So the more you know random facts. Do you have anything down for that or no? I have uh, two smaller things just because yeah, get yours out interesting. Yeah. So Ridley Scott regards this movie as probably his most personal and complete film. And kind of tacking on to that was another fact that I found that the final cut is his actual favorite version, which I agree with. Yep. And then the final scene was shot hours before the producers were due to take creative control away from Ridley Scott. Yep. So, again, we talk about the studio kind of getting really involved with this movie, and that was a huge factor with the theatrical version. I was listening to, um, actually, have you ever listened to, this is going to sound really weird if you if you're not familiar with this podcast, but have you ever listened to uh, the podcast from Dax Shepard? He's that, like, mm-hmm. kind of comedic actor. He He's been in, he's married to um, Kristen Bell, but he's, he's actually got a, his podcast is very interesting because he's a great listener and he asks interesting questions and he was interviewing, I think it was Rob McElhenney from Always Sunny uh, in Philadelphia. And he was talking about the uh, kind of the job of being a director or a showrunner and how it's tough to walk the line of listening and valuing people's opinions so like if i'm if i'm directing a movie and you are the costume director right i hired you for a reason you're a very talented costume director so i want to hear you out but at the same time i have my opinion on what things should be so he was it was a really interesting conversation of i think it was his episode and he was just talking about how you know you want to you don't want to be that guy that just steamrolls everyone and says like it's my movie because then it's like why do you even hire these people Right. But at the same time, you have a belief and you have a vision and, and all that. So all that, that's a, it was, it was a, a good conversation. And for my random facts, oh, go ahead. Sorry. 
Oh, you're good. No, you're good. I was actually going to talk about not. I didn't write this down, but in the writings from um, Philip, he mentions the possibility of Deckard being a replicant. I how saw do that. You, how do you feel about that? I was gonna, I was gonna I was gonna wait until after, but since this kind of ties into the random facts, I think I should I would ask you now. How do you feel about him being a replicant or not being a replicant? So, I don't think he was, but my opinion isn't really worth as much as some others because I haven't seen this movie enough times. I have, have you read the book? I haven't. I don't even know if it's a full length book. Is it a book or a or, or, I don't even know. Yeah, I, whatever. I, I was gonna say, have you read the background? I, yeah. But, but I, I mean, they, I, I, from what I've read, the producers and writers have said that he's human, but just kind of like, would you think it'd be better as him being a replicant or you think that would take away from the film a little bit? I don't know that I think it would be better, but my, my biggest problem with him being a replicant is, isn't their lifespan four years? I think it always, I think it varies, right? I, from, my, from what I remember now, it's Rachel is like advanced, but in the past though, it was short, but I think Rachel's kind of like the exception, right? Where she has a little bit okay. more of life, I believe. Maybe a little bit more life, but like... But he, right, their lifespan is very short, though. And isn't Rick Deckard in Blade Runner 2049 or he whatever? Is now, so... <laughs> so right, right, so... Right, so... Right, for, if you add that into the mix, then right. That, that, so. and, that, and since I... I mean, I've seen this movie... So I've seen this movie twice, being honest. I saw this when, okay. I, when, my, when the, my coworker recommended it to me. And then I saw this uh, after Shane requested that we watch it. So I'm not as knowledgeable when it comes to like all the, and, and I should say too, that this is one of those movies where I was thinking, and I'll talk about this when I, when we give our scores at the end, but it was a weird mix for me of this movie is so complicated that I, I was like, all right, I watched it. I don't want to watch that again for a while because just cause it, not cause it's bad, but because it's just like, they it's don't a lot. right they don't hold your it's hand a lot. this movie it's no. like for the, for the for the casual viewer they would not like this film what for sure it it's, felt like i it felt like i just took a test or something you know in like high school <laughs> or college when you take a test and you like memorize say you memorize like world war ii history or like the, whatever and so you cram it into your brain and and you take the test and you feel like you did well and then you're like okay i'm done i'm done for a while i don't want to talk about any of that for a while that's kind of how i i felt um so yeah um just some, some random facts uh, about the, you, you mentioned a couple, but just as far as the different cuts of this film. So the theatrical cut, the one with the voiceover is another way people think of it. So if you saw this in theaters in, in 82, this is what you saw. Ridley Scott, not a huge fan of this one. Um, it has a happier ending without getting too into detail. Uh, and Scott wanted to leave it a little bit more open. He wanted to leave it like a little bit up to, the viewer to, to figure stuff out but it's also known as like i said the one with the voiceover the director's cut released in 92 editing was supervised by scott but not he didn't have like final say no voiceover no happy ending and they actually add in some scenes that make you question whether or not deckard is, is a, a human or a replicant so that's uh that was better so th- if you're ridley scott you're viewing these two versions as Theatrical shot, uh, cut is like not his favorite. Director's cut is better, but then his best, in his opinion, would be the final cut, which is what I watched. Exactly how he wanted it. Released in 07. Longer version of the the Unicorn Dream and um, some more violence. And, and also the movie was restored and digitally remastered. Which rewatching this 
I've remembered. So since I, the last time I saw this was in 04, 05. So I think it was the director's cut. So on top of the ending being, or just some things being different and no voiceover, I was like, I was watching it. I was like, I feel like this isn't what I saw. But the thing that I was shocked by, not shocked, but impressed by was how beautiful it was. If you watch like the, the, the final cut with all the digital remastering and, and the restoration, it's, it is an insanely, especially considering when it was, I don't care that it was remastered. It was still made in 82. So that those, that's kind of a breakdown. And that would be his, his favorite is the, the final cut, not the director's cut, the final cut. I think we're both uh, on the same page for this one, but what did you have down for uh, things that wouldn't fly in today's environment? I had down uh, 2019 looking like that, but at least Scott and his team didn't set the film in 2020. That would have been an even tougher one to swallow. Yep. But I'll joke aside, despite Rachel being a replicant, the way um, Deckard handles that intimacy lesson was a bit rough. On the yes. edges for sure. <laughs> yeah, when he slams the door and then like yells at her to kiss him, and yes. yeah, that's rape, bro. You can't. <laughs> she was a little upset in that scene. She was a little, yeah, a little upset. <laughs> yeah, watching that, I was like, because you know there are scenes in like, even with Harrison Ford, there are scenes in like Indiana Jones where it's kind of like, you know, it's supposed to be like the strong guy with like you know, I don't know what the way, like with a backbone sort of thing, and I, I get that, but the one this was like. You rape that. You rape Rachel. I don't, you know, whatever she is, replicant or not, like you said. Um, but yeah, so I, I had the same thing. And then there was other stuff that was just like, you know, if you were nitpicky, but that was the big thing that rewatching it, I was like, okay. Can you imagine someone being sent 2020 though, watching it now, being like, wow, <laughs> like you could have been more off. <laughs> it's like we get like the joke of like it being way too advanced now, but I feel like the pandemic setting already, like how fun that would have been if the film was sent in 2020. Like, oh my God. <laughs> no. No, I'm all set. Um, what was your favorite scene? I'm interested. I'm interested to hear because I had a, not a hard time with this one, but I was like, I wonder what Joe's gonna pick. So I didn't really. This is one of those. This is like one of the rare ones where I don't actually pick a scene. Really, uh, I put down before. I, it's more of the world I think than anything else. Well, not exactly what 2019 looked like a couple of years ago. The world was created for this movie. It was. It was. It was incredible. This came out in 1982, and it still looks better than futuristic films that come out today. Yep true the scale of everything is still impressive to see and this ties into my favorite scene which is the introduction how we see this world for the first time we see all the lights the tall buildings we don't see the ground from the sky we see the ads going on the sides there i thought that was all super cool and every time i watch this movie the opening is what really kind of like makes my jaw drop so and i think this go ahead go ahead sorry no 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 no. you're gonna say well i was gonna say i think that the cities in this film they looked kind of like I know I've never been to Tokyo or whatever, but they didn't look that far off from what a yeah. lot of super modern cities look like. Yeah. And I, I think I loved how the camera pans us from the top view so we can see how far like the cars would advance, like they're flying now. It's just yep. the, the scale of it all. And that whole introduction to the city was just, to the world was just still my favorite thing about this. I like obviously the, characters obviously and how or i mentioned this after how they're pretty much like a character study i thought that was all great but yeah. the world is my favorite thing about this film that's a good pick so i actually the scene that i picked is i really like the scene where deckard tests uh rachel um 
it's just like a cool introduction to both characters. And I think it's one of the more efficient, because we talked about how <clears throat> this is super detailed. So like, if you're not paying attention for two seconds, you miss something, but it was one of the more efficient scenes as far as like explaining the plot, getting to know, like learning about characters and like that. And when he asked her the question about her husband, seeing the picture of the naked girl, you know, what did you think? And you start to see what he's trying to figure out. Like, does she have emotions or, or you know, all that stuff. So it's also shot beautifully and it's probably the best commercial I've ever seen for smoking cigarettes. I'm not a smoker, definitely not healthy, but the way they shot her smoking, it, it made it look like beautiful and yeah, slightly less cancerous maybe. I don't know. But then the, the runner up for me was when Leon uh, was, Leon was putting a whooping on Deckard before Rachel saved him when he punched through that truck, that whole like, fight sequence was was pretty cool so those would be my two it's my watching this now I, I i didn't forget about the role that he had but you thought that like as him getting the opening scene of the film you thought he was gonna be around a little long almost like the second or last replicant to survive but he gets put off pretty pretty quickly yeah, in the film, which yeah, is yep. interesting yep so soundtrack is usually your department so i'll let you i i do have one thing to say but i'm gonna let you give your your opinion first I didn't have a whole lot other than that the soundtrack's incredible, I thought, and it was way ahead of its time. The sounds that play in this film are only getting more popular and it's become an inspired source for other worlds like this. Vin Gellis crafted a futuristic soundtrack at the time that still holds up wonderfully. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I agree with you and I, on most of that. And listening to the music, I could tell that it was very thought out, not rushed. And like you said, all those like synthesizer sounds and everything like that, those are popular in film today but they're, they're they're almost they're popular in music too it's, yeah it's almost it's like taking like it's almost like the theme now if you ever see like a futuristic or sci-fi punk film whatever it, like it's almost like that has to have a synth sound at this point like it's right. almost like marketed as that right the only thing i didn't like about it was there were points where like the the steadiness of it just like the constant it kind of was like putting me to sleep just like it was like so mellow and so like that i was like if it's i don't i don't know what i to compare it to but it was it was almost like too mellow for me but i agree with you that it's like like the film in general you can't really deny the 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 effect that it's had on film um what would you if you could change one thing what would you change so there's not a whole lot i would change that wasn't already done the final cut this is meant to be a story-driven character study but with this plot, they really could have gone different directions with the with the general wise. The whole thing of it, him trying to hunt down um, rogue replicants, could have gone different directions. Like, and it's, and it's interesting to think about what could have been done differently if they didn't go this route. Um, the focus is on the world, corporations having too much power, such as Tyrell and other things that uh, is pretty relevant still years later. But I really do like it the way it is, and like I said, I think both the international and final cuts are better. I. I haven't watched the work print version yet, but after watching this, I might revisit it at some point, which is meant to be like a more rough cut of the film. Okay. So before I get into the things that I would change or what I put down for that, I have one question. If these are genetically modified creatures, right? Wouldn't, I know, I know that for Hollywood, this makes no sense, but just realistically, wouldn't you make them all look identical so you could track them down easier? (laughs) If you put, could, if you could, put trackers on them all, 
and play live track well, into them so you know too. which one's which. That yes. too, but even if you didn't, even if you didn't want to do that, what if you just made every single one's face look like Harrison Ford or whatever? So I, don't, I don't know if I want to see Harrison Ford kissing a robot. I, I like seeing him kiss Rachel. No, okay. No, but I mean, if you could just no, go around and find every person that had my face and just like shoot it and kill it, it'd be a lot easier. It'd be easier. Yeah, it'd be a lot but, easier. But seriously, um, this wasn't an option in '82, and I and I don't think I would want to see it now after the fact, but because of what we were talking about with how, how many, how much detail there is in this. And and this is the one time that I'll ever, I'll ever say this probably, but I could have actually used this to be either a longer movie where they explained a little bit more, or wouldn't this make an awesome like show? Like we talked about Jack Ryan on, on prime. Wouldn't this make an awesome like eight episode thing where they could like, you know, like, give you give you the breakdown of each part of the story in more depth like the replicants prior life their life on earth harrison hunting them down or rick deckard hunting them down um it would it would have been easier for me for someone who didn't read doesn't know the story and everything like that 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 would but that's not really something to change the film i just think it would be a cool story yeah that would be yeah i i curiosity after watching this movie now do you think you'll watch 2049 I would definitely be open to it, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. I, I really enjoyed 2049. It's one of the ones yeah. that I actually had to import from like the UK before it came out. Or Germany, I'm sorry. I didn't import from Germany, but I really enjoyed it. It's like, yeah. it's, it's a good continuation for sure. It's one of those ones where I, I would have to, like when I watch this one, I have to definitely watch on my own because Brie would have no interest in watching it. But but yeah, I would, I would definitely be open to, to watching that. So, Joe's going to go first with this, but um, if you listen to the podcast before, um, you know, this is the part where we, we rate the movie on the scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a, a late fee to keep the film? So, or keep the DVD or the VHS score of one is you get just a couple of minutes in and you, and you turn it off cause you just can't take it for whatever reason, or you can't, you're not smart enough to follow it like me. Uh, all the way up to the score of five, which is, uh, you know, I'm going to keep an extra day or two or three to watch it a few times, which wouldn't be a bad idea for this one. Um, uh, to, or show it to friends or whatever, and you, you maybe even just buy it from the rental store. So, Joe, on our first uh, listener that didn't that we don't know. Oh, I was say Jill. Jill was uh, Boondock with the uh, the Boondock. Oh, station, that's right. Brother. That's so, right. All right. So this is all right. So, so had, uh, first so yeah, in a while. It's been a while. So we, we definitely appreciate it for sure. Yeah. So on a scale of one to five, what are you giving Blade Runner? I mean, <laughs> I give it a five, and it's. At more so because of everything surrounding it. And this is like, again, I watched the theatrical version, but I know the final cut in my head as this, what I've viewed multiple times as the definitive version. But I've seen it a few different times, and this film is incredibly crafted from the story to the beautifully shot film, where each frame could literally be, each shot of this film could literally be a frame to put on their wall, like a picture. It's so it's beautifully shot from start to finish. The characters, actors, direction, the writing, the soundtrack, they're all top notch. There's a reason why this film is held as a sci-fi classic and it is still as relevant as it is today with the inner details, the subtle details that they provide us in this film. Not so much the world, the setting, but the corporations, the corruption, the poverty, and all these different elements are all super relevant. So this film has some staying power for sure. That was my favorite, like sub stories, the corporation stuff and the big, kind of like the big business stuff. So 
my score, and I and I think that's great. I, I think that's kind of what I figured Joe would give this one. Um, this movie is beautiful. Watching it again now for the second time, that's what really stuck out to me. Um, that said, I'm not a sci-fi guy at all. But even even with that said, I can see the effect that Blade Runner has had on the entire genre. Um, but I have to be honest, for me, it was a little bit slow moving just because it's not aimed at me. It's aimed at Joe. I didn't enjoy it as much as I did the first time, though, I think. So I gave it a three out of five. And I know that's blasphemy. It's just... No, it's, it's, it's a slow, like you said, it's a slow <clears throat> burn. It's a right. slow burn. Even the killings of the replicants aren't like this action, aren't action packed scenes. They're, they're pretty quick and like to the point. Right. And, and, and really what it is for me is it's, it wasn't, it's just not as rewatchable. Like that doesn't mean it's not a great, it's one of the, it's a clear, it's a classic. It's, it's a, one of the greatest films of the past 50 years. And that's not even really up for debate. It's just not super rewatchable. It's not like a movie that me personally if I sat down on the couch and I turned on TV and it was on and it was five minutes in, then I would be like, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch the rest of this. You know what I mean? Right. Now, like I said, there are plenty of movies that are complete trash that are super, super rewatchable. Like, <laughs> so it's not, it's not a reflection on how good the movie is, but um, on the, so on the flip side of that, to go against everything I just said, a weird part of me felt like I should watch it again because as like a someone I consider myself a movie guy not like in the way that Joe is where he studied film and everything but I'm a huge movie fan and so I was like I almost want to watch this like five like once a week for a month and try to pick out like try to really understand the story because I, I wonder if I watched it like three or four more times if I would understand enough that on that third or fourth time it would click in a different way but still three out of five I, I enjoyed watching it and re-watching it for the first time in a while and I sincerely appreciate uh, Shane sending in the suggestion. And we're going to be doing, like I said, we're going to be doing another one of his movies, not next week, but the week after that, because we have a, a special episode next week. But then the week after that, we're going to pick another one of the, off the list that you sent to Shane. And so we really appreciate it. Um, really, and I loved uh, Lunch IPA from Maine Brewing Company that I think Shane, pretty sure Shane is a big fan of. Um, our next episode is going to be our 50th episode of the podcast. So I'm going to let Joe tell us uh, what we're going to be doing for the 50th episode. Yes. The big five zero. We've made it. We have been talking about this movie behind the podcast, behind the scenes here all the time when we're going to eventually review this. And we, while we, the summer would have been nice, this is a big moment for us. And this movie is a big part of, I'm pretty sure both of our lives, definitely my life. Yeah. Um, my first RA film I ever saw, and it is the movie Speed. Cans! They were cans! <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be watching Speed next week for the 50th episode. Um, couldn't be more excited. Love the huge fan. But uh, oh Spoiler gosh. alert, it's, Joe it's, and I are probably going to give it a, a good score. It's one of my top, this is my top 10 for sure, so, yep. yeah. <laughs> so, thank you so much, Shane, for sending in this suggestion. Like I said, we're going to get to another one of your suggestions in a couple weeks. Um, but to anyone else that wants to send in a suggestion that will not cut ahead of, of uh, speed or Shane's next suggestion, because there's a line folks, but if you, if you have any suggestions, seriously, we're at the Lathia on Instagram, please send them to us. I know we try to put stuff up sometimes that asks for your suggestions, but you don't have to wait for that. You can just, if you're randomly thinking of an eighties or nineties or whatever movie, seventies movie, and you're like, Oh, they should do that. Just send it to us, especially you, Brian, you scrub. I still haven't gotten your suggestion. So 
thank you guys very much for listening. We'll be back next week as soon as yeah. Joe fixes his, his 1987 computer. Oh, come on. Don't give me that. As always, guys, thank you. And Shane, thank you as well for the recommendations. I, like Eric said, we will be reviewing the other one. And I may throw in Totoro at some point because that's a great movie. I want to see Eric squirm for an hour and a half. So. All right. Until next time.